Welcome to Swerve. I hope everybody's having a great start to your day. Thank you so much, guys, for joining us this afternoon. It means so much that you guys would, you know, separate this time. And I know it's kind of an awkward time for some to be able to come here, you know, at 4 p.m. to worship. But thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for taking our time to be with us, to eat here with us, and to worship with us, and to listen to God's word um, together. And I'm, I'm excited. We're coming, we're coming close to the close of this message series here. I want to believe, but... And basically, the premise of this, of this series is that we're trying to answer some common objectives of, of who God is, or some wrong understandings of who God is. And here's the question I want to start today as we talk about this topic. Have you ever had an experience, you know, maybe at a church or at home, maybe when you have your quiet time, you know, and you close the door and open up God's Word and you're praying by yourself, or, you know, where, where perhaps you're in an intense moment of worship or prayer, and it feels like when you're in that moment, it feels like you can sense the very presence of God. Have you ever had a time like that where, you know, I mean, it's almost palpable. You know, it's almost like you can reach out and touch the presence of God. It's almost like a tangible sense of God's presence, you know, right there while you're reading the Bible in your room or, or spending some time, or maybe right here at church. And it's almost like you can sense the very presence of God. Now, some of you may be able to relate to experience like that, and maybe you've had an experience like that, but maybe you're here today, and, and you would say, you know what, Danny, you like bugging out, because I haven't felt that in a long time, or if not ever, just never felt that, that palpable, that, that very real touch of God, that presence of God, I just, I, you know, I just can't say that I can relate to that experience. Either you've never felt God's presence, or maybe you haven't felt it in quite some time. You've ever been next to someone who seems like every single time that they open the Bible, like every time they read it, like they come up with like the, the, the dopest explanation of God, like they can just like understand God's, so it's like they have this direct download from heaven, you know, and apply the Bible in such a practical way. Or during worship, you ever been, been next to somebody during worship and you just see them hands risen high and they're crying and they're like, wow, it seems like they can sense the very presence of God and I'm here like with my hands in my pocket, I don't feel a thing. <clears throat> Have you ever felt like that? Ever been around someone like that? Or what about you ever been next to somebody that when they pray, like they pray like a phenomenal prayer? And while they're praying, it just seems like, wow, like they have this connection to God in their prayer. As they're talking with God, it seems like they have this phenomenal relationship with Him. And like they have this, this presence of God. And, and when you pray, it's like, it feels like God's distant. It feels like He's miles away. Have you ever had that experience? And anyway, how do you know if you felt God's presence anyway? What do you determine that by? You know, do, do you... Do you think, is it like the tingly feelings? You know, like, like some kind of thing, I can't describe it as a tingly-wingly kind of a thing. Is that the presence of God? Is it when you cry during a moving worship song? Is that the presence of God? Or is it the sense of peace that comes over you when you look at a painting? Or, or when you look at this wonderful, you know, mountains? Or, or when, you, when you listen to Mozart or classical music and you just feel this peace? Is that the presence of God? How do you know if you felt the presence of God? I used to have this coworker a few years ago that she, she knew that she felt the presence of God because right? she would come and tell me, she was like, look, the hairs of my arms are standing up. And, and that to her meant that she felt the presence of God. But is that a true marker of feeling God? Is that really what it is? Can we reduce the presence of God and feeling that to the hairs on the back of our necks sticking up? 
Because anyway, can't you get a tingly feeling by sitting to some, next to someone that you really love, right? That you're really in love with? Or can't you get those, that feeling in your gut when you're going on a really fast roller coaster? Can't you cry at a good movie or at a moving YouTube you know, clip or something? Something that really moves you emotionally that you watch over the internet? I had a friend of mine recently on Facebook who said he went to watch Finding Dory with his daughter. And he said he cried at the end of the movie. <laughs> he said, and people were like commenting on Facebook, why are you crying? He said, what are you talking about? She found her parents. How can you not cry when that happens? Is that the presence of God? Can you feel, can you feel the peace? Can you feel that peace with some soothing music? Can't you feel that with a massage? <laughs> and, and like those ambient sounds of like the, the, the waves at the beach? Can't you feel that peace with soothing music and a massage? What about today? What about right now, this moment? Did, did you feel God's presence during the worship? There is no one higher. There's no one greater. There's no one like our. Did you feel God's presence while, while we were singing that song? Or how about during this message? Well, by the time this message is over, when Danny's done rambling on and on, are you, would you have felt the presence of God by then? And if you don't, if you don't, if you didn't feel it during the worship, and if you're not going to feel it at the end of this message, whose fault is it? Is, it? is it the bad song selection? Is it my fault for not bringing some kind of dynamic word from God? Whose fault is it? Now, I said all that because I want to talk about this very thing, about feeling the presence of God, about feeling God. And regardless about how you answered that question, I hope that the following verse that I'm about to share with you guys, and you have it there in your notes, I'm going to encourage you guys to please take out those notes, fill in the blanks, and follow along so you can follow along today. And I hope this verse is going to bring a little bit of comfort for you. And the reason being is that if you're not, and you're taking notes, here's the first fill in the blank that you have. If you don't always feel God's presence, you're not alone. If you don't always feel God's presence, you're not alone. In fact, I love this verse that we're about to read in Psalm chapter 88. It's verses 13 to 14. And it's from the Psalms. And Psalms has great, the Psalms are very real in, in the way they talk. And here's what the psalmist says. In chapter 88, you have it there in your notes. But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. And then this is, my, this is probably my favorite part of the verse, verse 14. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? We don't get no more real than that, right? The psalm is like, God, where are you? I can't sense you. I don't feel your presence. Where are you? And I love this. I love how real the psalmist is being here. I cry to you for help, God. I'm, I'm calling out to you, and I'm crying out to you. I'm trying to find you. I can't seek you. I don't know where you are. Why are you hiding from me? Why would you reject me, God? Why would you do that? And the psalmist is being extremely real, and I love that about the psalms. But what's interesting is that all throughout the Bible, you can find many, many examples of people who share this very same exact sentiment. The very same feelings. They felt this very same thing throughout the Bible. They found themselves in particular moments of their lives where they cried out to God and wondered, where was God? Hey, Barris, would you mind getting uh, some notes for Rachel for me, please, in the back? Thank you. And so what's interesting is that all throughout the Bible, we see these very type of examples all the time. We see this all the time throughout the Bible. Listen, I mentioned to this a couple weeks ago. What about Job? Right? Job was a guy that lost everything, right? 
He, he, lost, he lost wealth. He lost his family. He, literally, his, his own health. He lost everything. And when he, he was considered a righteous person, according to the Bible, and he said, why did God hide his face from me? Those are the words of Job. What about David? David was a man after God's own heart. Who wants to be a man after God's own heart? This is who David was, right? And he was a man after his own heart. And he had these moments where he was questioning God. God, where are you? My enemies are, are seeking. They're coming after me. God, where are you? And he had these very moments in his life. And listen, even Jesus, who had the most intimate relationship with God as he walked on this earth, when he was on the cross, he cried these words. He said, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is Jesus who had the most intimate relationship with God on this earth. Even he shared those very sentiments. And here's what's interesting. I found this quote from C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis is a theologian and an author. You've probably read his books. If not, you've seen the movies based upon his books. And he's a very famous theologian and apologist. And what's interesting, he said these words right here. Tell me if you can relate to this. He was looking for God. He was crying out to God in a moment of desperation. You know what he found? He found a door slammed in my face. And the sound of bolting, and not just once, but double bolting on the inside. And then after that, silence. This is C.S. Lewis, a theologian, an apologist. and, and, a, and a, he, this, is what he, this is the sentiments that he shared. Have you ever felt like this? God, where are you? I feel like you just slammed the door in my face. I want to feel your presence. I want to feel you, and it seems like I can't find you. It seems like you slammed the door in my very face. He even confessed that this heavenly silence, it, it brought him down. It brought him down in, in God's existence. He went on to say this, There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever, in, was there ever anybody there? Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so once. It seemed like once upon a time, God was there and I can sense his presence. He goes on to say, Why is God so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so absent in our time of trouble? Have you guys ever felt like that? Man, it seems like when everything's going fine, like, yeah, I can sense God's presence. I'm worshiping, lifting up my hands. Every time I open up the Bible, every time I pray, and then when we go through these difficult times and these difficult moments, see, as Lewis says, it seems like he disappeared. Was he ever there at all? He questioned the very existence of God. In fact, that's why we brought up this series. That's why we do not want to believe but, because we want to answer people's objections to who this God is. And, and some people have some false understandings of who God is. And we want to open up God's word and see what God's word tells us about who God is. So for the rest of our time, we want to answer this question. Why don't we always feel God? And here's number one in your notes. I encourage you guys to fill the blank in. It says this, maybe you are over-sensationalizing it. In other words, maybe you're over-sensationalizing the presence of God. We want to look at John chapter 6, verses 30 to 31. Here's what it says. So, so they asked Jesus, and this, this is Jesus talking to a crowd, a large crowd. Many times while Jesus was teaching and preaching, a large crowd would come and gather around him. He's talking to this crowd. In this instance, the crowd is talking back, and it says this. So they asked Jesus, what sign then will you give that we may see it and what? And believe in you. What will you do? Our ancestors, they ate man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, I would love for you guys to underline that we may see it and believe you. They're asking God 
They're asking Jesus for this sign. Give me a sign, Lord, so that I would believe in you. I want to see it. And could it be that we're over-sensationalizing the feeling of who God is or the presence of God? I went to a candlelight vigil uh, last year, right? A couple months ago for a young man that passed away right here in Bushwick. And it was very unfortunate. He was a young guy. And of course, the family was devastated. Uh, his friends, they had very close friends. He was, he was well known in, on the streets and, and very loved. And I was invited. I was very privileged to be invited to be a part of it. Uh, just, just to be there. Just to be present. And, you know, Danny from Swerve Church is here. If I can pray with anybody or whatever. Um, but it was sad because there were so many people there. A lot of people that were very far from God. But it was, a, it was a chilly and a windy fall and autumn evening. And they wanted to do a candlelight vigil. So as you can imagine, it was very difficult for everybody to keep the candle lit. Because it was so windy and it was, it was pretty cold. It was late at night. And so it was very hard. The, the flames kept going out. And at this vigil, it was commented, it was said, somebody said this, that God's presence was there and it was Him that was blowing out the candles. So we're at this vigil, it's a candlelight vigil. There's lots of lost people there, people that are far from God. And a minister gets up and says, that's okay, you can't keep your candle lit because God is here and he's blowing out the candles. Isn't, that, isn't it crazy? In other words, he was saying that somehow the gust of wind that blew out the candles was God. And I think that that's an over-sensationalization. I don't know if that's a word, but I think he over-sensationalized the presence of God. You know, it's similar to the crowd asking Jesus here in this distance, very similar. What sign are you going to give us? What are you going to let us so we can believe in you? God, in this candlelight vigil, what, pres- what sign are you going to give us that you're here? Are you going to send a gust of winds on a chilly autumn evening to blow out these candles, to let all these people know that you're here? And what's funny is that in this very chapter, if you just read just this chapter alone in John chapter 6, Jesus had already fed 5,000 men with, with a couple fish and bread. He walked on water. He preached an awesome, life-giving message of himself and the kingdom of God. But the crowd's response is, give me a sign, give me a sign, give me a sign. And they mentioned the manna bread that rained down in the Old Testament. You guys might remember from the Old Testament when when the Israelites were in the wilderness and God miraculously provides for them with this manna, which is a form of bread that would fall from heaven, only enough what they needed for that day. And it was a miracle from God that He provided that. But what Jesus is saying here, what He goes on to say, basically He answers, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, I am, you're asking for bread from heaven, you're asking for another miracle, you're asking for another sign so that you can sense the presence of God, so you can know I am who I am. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In other words, he says, I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm enough. I'm all you need, and I'm everything. I'm enough. And maybe part of, part of the response for, for this question today is to realize you know, without over-sensationalizing it, without saying the presence of God is the hairs on the back of my neck or the, the hairs on my arm standing up. It's not the tears that cry down during the worship. But, but it's to understand that Jesus is enough, that He is the bread of life. And sometimes you might feel God. And it might be a very real, tangible sense of, of God's presence. You know, and, and other times you won't. You know, if, but if you always felt Him, then it wouldn't require any faith. Right? 
And, and the Bible teaches us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Here's number two in your notes. Why can't I always feel God? Number two in your notes is this. Maybe your heart has hardened. Maybe your heart has hardened. And what I'm about to say is not popular by any means, but it's part of my job and actually my responsibility to not only lead myself, this is a personal requirement for me, but also all of you into a life of continual surrender and repentance. It's my responsibility to teach that when I come here. It's a very high responsibility to make sure that we're following Jesus and that we're all continually living a life of surrender and of repentance before God. And the reason as to why you may not be sensing God's presence very well could be because there's a continual and unrepentant sin in your life. It could be that that's what's blocking us from feeling God's presence. Now, let me be clear. As a follower of Christ, if you fall or you sin as a follower of Christ, do you lose your position in the family of God? No, because we all sin. We, we all live in a fallen world with sinful passions and desires. And in fact, we sin every day. If not indeed, we sin in thought and in motive. In other words, in the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things, the Bible says. And so for those of us that are in Christ Jesus, we don't lose in our position in the family of God because we sin. No, our salvation was paid already once and for all through Christ. But what can happen, and the reason why we could not be sensing God's presence is because this unrepentant sin is causing a barrier between us and God. And while our salvation remains secure because of Jesus' perfect sacrifice once and for all on the cross of Calvary, our unrepentant sin causes a rift in our relationship with God. I mean, listen, and that works with any relationship, right? If you sin against your spouse, if you sin against your mom or your dad, is everything going to be all Kool-Aid the next day? It's not. There's a rift because we've sinned against. Uh, the, the, the relationship has been broken because of our sin. And our unrepentant sin causes this as well. Hey, let me show you through scripture to help you guys understand. I want you to see what this psalmist said in Psalm chapter 32, verses 3 and 4. He's talking about the, the, the weight of sin, okay? The, the guilt of sin upon him. Look what he says. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And isn't it interesting here that the psalmist is describing the guilt of sin upon his life like he's feeling this burden on his back and he feels like he's, he's, his bones, his very bones are being wasted away. And this is a great example of what sin, unrepentant sin, does to us. And the question I have to ask myself and I have to ask all of you today is, is there sin that you've gotten comfortable with? Is there sin in your life that you've, you've kind of just gotten comfortable with for you it might not even be some quote-unquote major sin like adultery or fornication or hey it might be and if it is so then there's a call to repentance but it might even be envy jealousy laziness gossip it could be all of those things that you've gotten comfortable with and and some continual unrepentant ongoing sin that is causing blockage between you and your relationship with God because there's continual unrepented sin. 
What's funny this morning as I was going to the supermarket to pick up stuff for today, I opened up the Bible to Hebrews chapter three because that's what I was up to in kind of my read, my own personal reading, and, uh, and and this is what I found. It's not in your notes. Maybe you want to write it down. Read Hebrews chapter three later. But it talks about this very thing, and I'm going to read verse twelve and thirteen, and uh, and check out what it says. I have it here. Hebrews chapter three, verse twelve and thirteen. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. What a great description of what unrepented sin, it hardens our heart, it separates, it causes a blockage. Again, our we're in the family of God because there's nothing that you can do that can earn your place with God. It was, it was by Christ's, per, His perfect sacrifice on the cross, but, but our relationship with God can be hindered and it can be blocked because of sin. So what do we do? What, what do we do if this is you and there's un, some kind of com- sin that you've gotten comfortable with, some un, unrepented sin, what do you do? Well, you guys remember this, Psalm chapter 32, verse 3 and 4. He's talking about the guilt and the weight of sin on his life. Look what he says in verse 5. Check this out. Then, then, underline that right there in your notes. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity and said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And look, underline, put a star, circle it. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. In other words, in other words, he finally, he got enough of this, the weight of sin and the, the guiltiness of sin. I acknowledge my sin to you. In other words, he confessed, he repented of his sin. And what did God do? What did God do? He forgave him of the guilt of his sin. And in fact, this is a perfect example, guys, of the daily walk of a Christian. This is, this is a perfect example of what a Christian's life looks like. Our walk is one of daily repentance. Every day, repenting before God. It's a dependence. It's an utter dependence on the grace of Jesus Christ. Because I know my own dirtiness and my own sin and my own wretchedness. And there's nothing that Danny can do to save himself. It's only... Christ and His grace and the dependence on His grace. People think, you Christians, man, you guys are so self-righteous. You guys are so pompous and arrogant. The truth is, it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. We acknowledge our shortcomings. We recognize that we are sinners and that we are sinful and we utterly depend on the sacrifice of Jesus for our righteousness because we know there's no way I can provide for my own righteousness. And we ought to all have that same concept and idea. I can, we cannot provide our own righteousness apart from Christ and His righteousness. Are you guys tracking? Here's number three. Why can I always feel God? And uh, this is the last point. Maybe God wants to draw you closer. Maybe God wants to draw you closer. Check out what it says in this next verse during your notes. It's from Acts Uh, Chapter 17. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would what? They would seek him 
and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. I would love if you guys can underline right there the words seek him and reach out and find him right there in your notes. He did it so that we would do that, so that we would pursue him. You guys ever heard the phrase, absence makes the heart grow fonder? What about this one? Familiarity breeds contempt. You guys ever heard those phrases? I don't know about you guys, but when I travel, when I travel and I have to go away for a couple days, man, I miss Melissa and I miss the kids so bad. Even if it's just for a couple days that I have to go away, when, when, when I have to travel, I miss them so bad. And it's just something about the distance, about not being able to have them around all the time, right? And it's just they're not around, and, and I begin to, to miss them so much. But likewise, there's something about the everyday, mundane, that makes you not appreciate, and you take for granted all that you have. You take for granted those that are around you, and the ones you love, that's where we get familiarity breeds contempt. Listen, deprivation, it draws out desire. Whenever you're starved of something, it produces a greater desire for it. If I were to tell you guys, hey, we're going to all fast, all right, so no eating. You sacrifice, you know, breakfast and lunch for a day. What's going to happen when breakfast time rolls around? Like, your stomach is in a growl, like you haven't eaten in 20 days, right? Like you were stranded on, on a lost island or something, right? Just because... Because I took it away from you. Or what if I told you, hey, don't drink. You, you're going to feel like your throat is extra dry. And like, like, like you never drank in your life. Why? Because the deprivation of taking it away gets you even more thirsty. Likewise, if you don't feel, if you don't, if, likewise, if you don't feel God, allow it to develop within you a desire deep down inside of you to seek him out, to hunger after him, to desire him even more. Relentlessly pursue God. Seek Him out like this verse. Seek after Him. Seek Him through His Word. Open up His Word daily. And look, God, I, I can't feel you right now, but I'm going to desperately seek after you. Like if you're the oxygen that I need in my lungs to breathe, look for Him through His Word. Desperately cry out to Him and seek Him in prayer. And make prayer a daily habit. Every day seeking out and crying out to God. Man, seek Him with God's people in community and make this a priority, you know, over everything else. I'm going to get together with God's people and cry out to Him and look for Him. Make this a priority. I want, I wish we can get to the point where we can say like the psalmist, you guys remember this? As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. Can we get to that point? The way the deer is thirsty to look for that fresh water. God, my soul cries out and thirsts after you. Listen, just because God is silent doesn't mean that he's absent. Just because you don't feel him doesn't mean that he's not there. Don't believe everything you feel because feelings are not fact. Trust God. Trust the promises that he's revealed through his word and trust him for his word. In fact, I, I would love for us to read this verse together. It's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. It's kind of like our memory verse for today. So you guys can read along from your notes or, or up here, 29, 13, and 14. Let's read it nice and loud. Ready? Go. You will seek me 
and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. You seek me. You will seek me. When you seek me, you're going to find me. It's a promise from God. Seek me with all your heart and I will be found. I'm going to be found by you. God is not playing a, a, uh, a divine peekaboo with you. He's not playing a divine hide and seek. Seek after him and you will find him. You will find him. Seek him and you will experience him. But you know what I've experienced in my life? In my own personal life? Sometimes you might have this feeling and right in, in the moment where you know that you've sensed the presence of God. That you know that you know and nobody can take that away from you. There might be times in your life where that might be true. But more often than that, I've been able to experience God in the ordinary, everyday, and simple moments in my life. You know, when I'm downcast, which is a lot, and I'm discouraged, but I'm comforted and I'm encouraged by a friend, I, I can sense God all up in that. When I'm encouraged by somebody else, I, I sense the presence of God when, when I get the unconditional love from my wife. I can just sense God's presence. When, when I see my kids and they're experiencing joy and they're laughing, before we came here today, we took them to the park and they were racing on their scooters and laughing and having, I just sense God's presence in that. That's why I went to fly high like a couple weeks ago because they laugh. Like, you know what a belly laugh is? You laugh so hard. I love seeing them laugh and have a good time. I sense God's presence. I see God's presence in that. Those serene moments in life, you ever been to like, you ever went hiking and you stop at a waterfall or, or you're just in the park and all of a sudden you just, you feel the breeze and you, you feel the trees shaking in the wind. In those moments, you just sense God's presence. You know where else? When we toil together here as a family, when we work together and we want to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ and we're working towards that, to that vision and that mission, I sense God in that. I sense God in that. But you know what brings me the most comfort and joy? It's knowing that God, it's not that I'm pursuing God, that what brings me the most comfort and joy is that God is relentlessly pursuing me. That God is seeking after me. That He's looking after me. And listen, God is relentlessly pursuing each and every single one of you guys here. He's pursuing you. He's looking after you. He loves you ever so and even if you don't feel Him, even if you don't feel God's presence, you can know that out of His great love for you, He's relentlessly pursuing you. He's seeking after you. He wants your heart and He wants you. He, God, God, Creator God is pursuing you. And if you're here today, and if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want you to know He is relentlessly pursuing you. In fact, here's what it says in, uh, in, Ro in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. I don't know if it's in your notes. I don't think it's in your notes. I do have it here, though, anyway. It says this, But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God pursued us while we were yet sinners. He sent Jesus on a love mission from heaven to die on a cross and to pay the price for our sin and to redeem man once and for all. And all that we have to do to participate in this great relentless pursuit from God. All we have to do 
is receive this free gift of salvation. All we need to do, <coughs> and it's amazing to me, receive free gift of salvation by faith alone in Christ alone. If you haven't made that decision, then I want to encourage you guys to take that next step. You guys please take out your connection cards real quick as I wrap it up now. Uh, on the back, there's some next steps that I want to encourage everybody here today to take. If you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus, then that's, I want you to take that step. Check that off. Put it in the bucket. We want to follow up with you a little bit later and take that next step. But for all of us today, we can take this. Trust God's promise that he will never leave us, that he will never forsake us. Can we all take that next step today? We can check that off right there, and then you can drop that in the offering buckets there on your table, because this week we want to help you by praying with you as you take that next step. Trust God's promise that he will never leave you or forsake you. This is a promise from God's word. So even if you don't feel God's presence, you can know that he's with you, because in his word he has promised to never leave us and to never forsake us. Would you guys join me in prayer? God, just thank you for this message, Lord. I know it may be a tough one uh, to swallow, God, but the, the truth is, God, that even if we don't you know, feel your presence, we can know that you're there because you promise in your word to be there. God, I thank you that you are relentlessly pursuing me. Lord, even when I'm, when I'm lazy in my walk with you and my walk with Christ, you are relentlessly pursuing me, God, showing me and sharing with me your love through Jesus Christ. God, I want to pray, Lord, of this for, for the unrepentant sin, God, in this room. Lord, I, we want to confess our sins to you, God, because we know that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sin. So we, we present that sin to you, God. If there's any sin that has been causing a blockage in our relationship with you, God, then we want to repent of that. We want to turn away, Lord, from that sin. God, we want to leave it to you, God. Lord, if we, want to, we pray, God, that, that, that regardless of whether we feel your presence or not, that we would use it as an opportunity to draw closer to you, God, to draw closer to you, to seek you out in your word, to seek you out, Lord, in prayer, to seek you out with God's people. We thank you, God, for this message, and we pray, God, that you would continue to help each and every single one of us as we're all in a different place in our spiritual walk and journey, God, but we know that we can have full confidence, uh, Lord, that that we've achieved salvation, not because of any of our works, Lord, but because of the sacrifice and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We give you thanks and we praise your name. Amen. Amen.